Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Today is the day you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in Good morning. Today is the day. This is the day the Lord has made. We are not only rejoicing and being glad in it, we are seeking to cultivate the mind of Christ on the matters of the day in order that we, as the ambassadors of the kingdom, might walk our faith out into the world that God so loves in ways that honor the Son, our Savior, Jesus the Christ. And so in order to do that, we need to be we need to be full of uh, the spirit of the living God and not full of ourselves or full of something else. And so let me encourage you today to fill up uh, on the Word of God before you enter the world. So uh, Word first, Word first, World second. And uh, and then let me encourage you that as you read the headlines of the day, as you encounter people in conversation today about what's going on in the world, that you apply the mind of Christ to those matters and, you know, and that you speak on behalf of of God who is good and the kingdom principles which he has revealed only about himself, but about his will uh, for, you know, for human beings and for this world. So that's our, um, that's our exciting, wonderful, glorious task of living each and every day as Christ people deployed in the world. So I want to, um, I want to touch on one headline before I jump into my conversation with Dr. Linda Mental, which is up in just a minute here. Um, so I was reading, uh, I, I like to read, you know, like what's on the edge of, of biotech and what people who are doing a lot of medical research, what they're thinking about. And so I have this headline out of San Francisco related to CRISPR technology, which is the gene editing technology, uh, which is, you know, happening before, actually even before um, embryos are then implanted through IVF into, uh, you know, into moms. And so we're talking about lots of layers here of medical ethics. And Christians need to not only understand what's going on here, but we actually need to be prepared to discuss and describe, you know, the nature of our pro-life ethic. Am I pro-life from conception to natural death or am I pro-life, you know, it, by some other definition of the parameters of of life? And that conversation is obviously writ large today in terms of, uh, of the abortion conversation and at, at the other end of life, um, the, the conversation about, you know, physician-assisted suicide or medical death, uh, or dying with dignity. Those are all kinds of euphemisms you're going to hear. Well, on the CRISPR front, there is there is something that is emerging that I feel like Christians really need to get out ahead of. And it is, uh, it, it is what are called savior siblings. And it's the effort of parents who have, uh, who have a child now who is suffering from a, uh, some kind of genetic disorder, a genetic disorder that could be the- theoretically repaired if they had perfect donor organs. If they had perfect a perfect match for, um, let's say, donor bone marrow, well, the only way to have a perfect match is to essentially have a sibling who matches you. And so they are now creating, uh, well, I, we're on the verge of it. Uh, the conversations are happening between parents who want to conceive, save your siblings for their, uh, for their current children, 
And you can just imagine the entire uh, array of ethical concerns that I might have about such a thing. So we're not going to dig further into that today, but I want to get you thinking about Savior Siblings. And I also want you to very quickly consider this. We have a Savior Sibling, and his name is Jesus. He is our elder brother, um, and by his blood, we are saved. And so just in terms of entering into that conversation from an expressly Christian worldview, before we are necessarily able to unpack all the layers of the Savior Sibling conversation and CRISPR and all of that medical technology, you may not be able to uh, articulate your position on all of those things, but you can bear witness today that we have a Savior Sibling, and his name is Jesus. He is our elder brother, and his blood makes us well, makes us whole, makes us clean. All right. Up next, my conversation with Dr. Linda Mental from The Linda Mental Show. Also, you can find her at drlindamental.com. We are going to talk about death by suicide. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. That's up next. Welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. My conversation partner is Dr. Linda Mental from the Dr. Linda Mental Show, which you can hear here, 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 here on Faith Radio. Um, you can also find her at drlindamental.com. Linda, welcome back. I like that that term, conversation partner. I don't think I've ever heard that. That's great. Well, you know, it's not an interview because it's an ongoing conversation that we're having over the course of time. We just, you know, we just return to it, like, right, when we can both get on the phone together. That's right. I like it. <laughs> so um, the conversation that you and I um, have talked about having today is is a difficult conversation to have, but one that is really critically necessary um, in the culture today and in our own families, in our own uh, communities of faith. And it's a conversation about suicide. And you and I are turning to this today in particular because um, Jared Wilson is a very well-known young um, evangelical pastor, a part of Greg Laurie's team at Harvest Bible, um, uh, it, it, it took his own life. And some of the language surrounding this um, has been a little different for me, and encountering it has been very interesting this time around. Um, you have blogged about this, and I think it's really, really helpful. And again, if you guys go to drlindamental.com, you can read this. Um, uh, and so, Linda, where first of all, just where do we start a conversation about someone's taking of their own life? Yeah, it's a it's starting the conversation. I think that's exactly the point. Is that um, I put at the end of the blog, if you went to church today, because I wrote this blog yesterday, did anyone at your church talk about it? Did it come up? Did they pray for the church? Did they did they raise the issue and maybe offer uh, other people to talk to um, anybody in the congregation who's struggling? Um, nothing was even mentioned at my church. It didn't even come up. It wasn't a part of the conversation. And I think that's part of the issue is that there isn't an awareness um, or else there isn't a willingness or courage. I don't know what it is for the church to actually acknowledge that just because you are a Christian doesn't mean you don't struggle with mental illness. And I, I think it's interesting that sometimes we think about you know, the effects of the fall and what happened to us after Adam and Eve sinned. And we don't always recognize that the brain was affected by the fall as well. And so there are mental health conditions and illnesses that 
are very complex. They have genetic involvement. Interesting, you're talking about genetics a few minutes ago. Um, genetic involvement, environmental factors, our own personalities, the way we're wired, the way we're designed, all of these things affect a person's ability to cope and to be resilient. And if we don't start talking about that in the church, and we slap Bible verses on people and say, just go go read these scriptures. And I'm not saying that in any way to diminish the power of the word of God, because there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the word. So I don't want to be misconstrued. But applying that power to a person's life, we do that with diabetes. We do that with other types of illnesses, cardiac problems. We have a full, complete spectrum and treatment of how to help people. And I think we need to start getting much more willing to have conversations about people who are depressed in our churches, people who might be thinking about suicide, um, people that need a place to go to talk to somebody. And it's not just a one-time conversation. You know, Carmen, over 30 years in practice, I've seen many, many people who have been suicidal, and many of them Christian. And so it's this ongoing connection with a person who, when you're in those dark moments, can help you uh, stay safe and help you get out of those moments and overcome that darkness for the moment. So we have to figure out a way to do this. So as I, you know, as I walk around in in your blog post, there are um, there's just there are just so many questions and opportunities and even words that come forward. And so. You know, the question of why would somebody who championed mental health, depression and suicide prevention, you know, end his life in this way. It's so heartbreaking for his wife and his kids. This is a young guy, his little kids. The stigma associated with suicide is really tremendous. There's that conversation. There's the confusion of those who are left behind, not only the confusion of your the members of your family, but the confusion, you know, in this case of your of your entire congregation and those, you know, to whom you had all of this witness of, you know, in all of these arenas where Jared Wilson was able to um, to really pastor to so many. So let's um, till some of the soil of those conversations. We got to take a quick break. But when we come back, Linda Mental and I are going to continue this conversation. Um, and, you know, we're going to ask the question why. And we all we also know immediately we're not really going to be able to answer that in every case. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Continuing my conversation now with Dr. Linda Mental, you can uh, check out what we're talking about at drlindamental.com. You can also listen to Linda here at the Dr. Linda Mental Show on the Faith Radio Network. Um we're talking about the death by suicide of Pastor Jared Wilson. He actually took his life um, in the hours after officiating the funeral of a Christian woman who who also uh, died by taking her own life. And um, I want to I want to talk about this. And we don't. It, this is actually um, this took me back in time, Linda. Um, I I am aware of a church in. Uh, in Georgia, where the pastor took his own life in the parking lot of the church following um, the, sui- the the death by suicide of a teenager in his congregation. Like he he performed the funeral. Everybody, you know, they once they left the church, um, you know, he never came back home. This is um, mental mental health issues. We don't talk about them enough. We don't talk about suicide enough. We don't get out in front of it. Help us do better. 
Yeah, so I think understanding uh, the complexities of, of what happens with depression and, and how someone can give in to a moment of completely feeling hopeless and overwhelmed. I, I, I can't speak to these people because obviously we haven't interviewed them. We don't know what was going on. We, we don't have any of the information. But I can speak to a body of people I've treated over the years. And one of the things that has come up several times is when you're exposed um, to suicide and you um, immersed. And one of the reasons I, I, that, you know, I wrote this in the blog that people were so concerned when 13 reasons the television show came out is because it showed a suicide. It showed, um, somebody, um, you know, doing this and then maybe all the difficult things in the person's life. It was very simplistic, um, and, and actually wrong in the way it portrayed all of this, but, uh, it was dangerous because there's a contagion factor that is associated with that. Because when you're in tremendous, tremendous pain, and you begin to believe, and it's a, it is definitely a lie, but it's a very strong lie that there absolutely is no way out of this but to end your life. Um, and you know that other people do that. You've seen other people do that. Maybe you're seeing the peace that the person is now experiencing, you think, because they're no longer in that pain. You could think, and I've had patients who have tried attempts, and they've told me this, that I, you know, all I wanted, I really didn't want to die, but I did want to stop the pain. And I began to think that the way to stop the pain, and, um, you know, this is the way you would stop it. And so, you can be overcome, and I think that's the reason why we have to have such good treatment set in place. We have to be working on the brain, and and for some people, med medications can really stabilize and help with their mood so that their mood is stable enough that they can really think and pray and you know resist the 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 lies that that will be tormenting them medication can help in some cases some cases it's dealing with a lot of unresolved issues in a person's life that continue to plague them maybe somebody who's been abused whether it's sexually physically and has been told all their life you're worthless you're nobody you'll never get better and then those lies replay in their head at certain times because the enemy knows our vulnerabilities. He knows where we're weak. He knows how to attack us with those type of lies. And so helping people, you know, understand that you can do something, you can do something with those negative thoughts when they come into your mind and there's a way to take them captive. And there's a way to reach out to somebody if it's feeling like it's bigger than you are at the moment. And that part is really important is the support you know, I, I always feel for pastors because I feel like they need a lifeline. They need someone to call when they feel overwhelmed. I, I have a brother who's a pastor of pastors, and we've talked about this over and over again, that, you know, it the pastor feels like they always have to be the person helping others. But when they're struggling, there are very few people in their life that they can turn to and really be vulnerable with and will help them out. So I think that is a place we can look in the church and say, what do we do for the pastor's mental health? And how do we help that person have somebody safe to talk to, somebody they could call 24-7 if they were struggling with something so that we can help so that those moments of feeling overcome and uh, believing in that hopelessness just doesn't occur. So Linda, that's one of the things about um, this particular individual, Jared Wilson, that I find, you know, just God, so heart-wrenching. Like, he was in relationship with people mm -hmm. who care and love him. He was forthright and open about, you know, the, his own history of, of challenges with mental health and his own suicide ideation. 
um, he was he was actively engaged with the mental health community. He was actively engaged in in advocacy related to this topic. Um, and so and he was in not only an absolutely, you know, a, a, adoring marriage, but in a very supportive church in relationship with people who, um, you know, at least from and again, you know, like you said, we don't know what's going on inside any of these relationships. But from all outward appearances, this is a person who did have people to turn to who were who were open. And and so I, I actually think that one of the things that this illuminates is that we never ultimately know why. Like we don't we don't we can only do what we can do, but ultimately there's um there's something going on that none of us really has a window into. Mm-hmm. And you know you can fight it. You can fight it by, um, and it's it's a good way to fight by bringing awareness and being an advocate and helping. But you know those those dark thoughts and those demons inside of you. I mean that is it's really hard to understand. I think when you're not a person who's prone to depression. So when I sit with people and I listen to the darkness that they feel at times and they feel attacked and tormented in their mind and um you know and they are really struggling with a way to overcome that it's sometimes very hard carmen for us to pull back and say you know i i don't understand that why don't you just fight it you know um and what's going on and i think that's why we have to help with the 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 chemical issues as well that is going on in a mind um because there are times when people just feel defenseless to those thoughts. And that's the part. I think that's the maybe the scarier part of the message is that anybody can be tempted and overwhelmed and overcome. And we have to do everything we can. Um, And I'm not saying that this church didn't. It sounds like they were very proactive and obviously more even than most churches. But you're right. We don't know in that moment with a person, what goes through their mind at that point. And I I think it's similar in some ways to a lot of drug addicts who say, I just want the pain to stop. I'm weary and I want Mm -hmm. it to stop. And I think that's the hard part to grasp because the people around you are saying, we'll help you. We want to, you know, please include us. And, And I think it's really hard for the survivors to feel like they're not somehow enough or they, you know, they, they didn't, they couldn't do anything to reach that person. That's a very helpless feeling for the people around them. Um, and it's something that, you know, it, it is hard to understand without having that conversation with the person at the moment. I've had a few of those with people who were ready. I've, I've had calls in the night where I've gone and I've sat with a person and they're in such a dark state um, that, you know, you really, unless they're, they're with me in that moment, I don't know if they would have gone through with it. Um, so it's, it's hard to know. It's hard to know Mm. what went through his mind. Yeah. Um, thank you for being there, um, for the people who, you know, have access to a direct relationship with you. Um, I want to uh, answer the question in your walk off in your blog. When I went to church yesterday, uh, my pastor directly uh, addressed this topic and this subject matter in the context of his sermon, um, and I'm deeply appreciative of that. Uh, Russell Moore has um, has dealt with this. There's a wonderful online video if your guys are looking for something that is uh, helpful to address this topic. I anticipate there will be a lot more out there from uh, friends like Kay Warren and others uh, who help us in this area. Dr. Linda Mental, thank you for the help you're offering us. You guys can grab the blog 
at drlindamental.com, and you can catch Linda's show, the Dr. Linda Mental Show, here on the Faith Radio Network. Thank you. Thanks. We'll be right back. You know, there, there are times that we just have to take a deep breath and we have to say, wow, with everything that's going on in the world, we might be uh, prone to despair. <clears throat> and instead, what we want to be prone to, what we want to practice, what we want to cultivate is the, the contentment that comes from knowing the peace which passes all understanding by having a worldview that actually sees things rightly where we can, um, we can recognize that yes, although things are broken, including my body and my relationships, God is still good and God is still great. And there is a, um, the, the, the primary reality is gospel reality and it's redemptive and it's hopeful and it's good and it's full of joy. And so next up, I'm gonna have a conversation with Max Lucado. Yes, that is absolutely a name that you recognize and love. He's got a new book comes out tomorrow, How Happiness Happens, Finding Lasting Joy in a World of Disappointment, Comparison, and Unmet Expectations. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. What if every time you get pulled over for a speeding ticket, the cop just lets you off the hook? Or whenever you missed a credit card payment, they never charged you any late fees? Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. Now, that may sound like a dream come true, but the fact is this. Rules and consequences become completely ineffective unless they're carried out. So if you're trying to curb your teen's misbehavior, start by laying down some boundaries. Then the next time he crosses the line, be a man or woman of your word and follow through. Will your teen test you? Absolutely. So be prepared to stand your ground. He may grumble and complain, but one day he will thank you. Parenting teens isn't for the faint of heart. Want more help from Mark Gregston? Find books and other resources online at parentingtodaysteens.org or search for Parenting Today's Teens in your favorite app store. So you know uh, the name... Max Lucado, you know his voice, um, and you know his books. Uh, I can say that as, uh, as a testimony of a person who was uh, a young Christian in college who was handed uh, a, a Max Lucado book uh, as a sort of companion document for my quiet times, uh, Max, you've been shepherding my heart for a long time now. So welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's a great honor, and it's um, a privilege to be on your program, and I'm happy to know the books have been an encouragement to you. Well, for you to be happy about something today uh, when we're going to talk about happiness is a good thing. So the book is How Happiness Happens, Finding Lasting Joy in a World of Disappointment, Comparison, and Unmet Expectations. Wow, disappointment, comparison, and unmet expectations. That is where most people are living. It really is. Uh, I was I was stunned. In fact, I, I traced this book back to uh, to a day that I uh, read a, some research that said that only one in three Americans uh, consider themselves happy. There is something called the Happiness Survey, and it's been going on for nine years. 
And uh, this last year, we scored the lowest as a society uh, than we ever have. And I, I was puzzled by that. I thought, could that really be that one out of three Americans can't summon enough enough joy to check yes on the on the happiness survey? It's a, it's a troubling statistic. You know, we have we have uh, lots of problems for sure, but we also have education that's available to most people. We have technological advances that are unprecedented. We have opportunities that people can take advantage of, and yet still there's this there's this cloud of, of grayness over people. And so it's a, it's a, it's a curiosity as to why, why it is that so many people are unhappy today. And so one of the things that you talk about here is that, um, you know, if I'm, if I'm focused exclusively on myself, I, I am going to be likely to see the places where my life does not, um, you know, by comparison, uh, excel others. Like I am not going to be as good at sports as other people who I see on TV doing those things. I am not going to be as you know well put together as the people who I see, let's say, on Instagram or in the movies. I am not going to be. I mean, because everybody's always you know putting their best self forward, let's say, and so I yeah. suffer by comparison because I am comparing myself to um, you know to a culture and people in the culture who exceed me in particular ways. That you say, I'm I'm looking in the wrong direction. I'm looking. Absolutely, my focus yeah. is in the wrong place. So the question is that, that's a great observation, Carmen. The, the question is is what what can we do? How how can we get out of this societal slump that we're in? And uh, one of the issues that you're bringing up is such a core issue, and that is this focus on ourselves, uh, especially as we compare ourselves with others. Uh, the 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 secret sauce, if you will, of happiness that's advanced in the in the Bible is a sense of serving other people, not comparing ourselves with other people, but helping other people, encouraging other people. This book revolves around a series of the one another verses that are in the Bible. Uh, there's over fifty. I just reduced that list down to about ten, and these are critical, powerful, practical, go-to passages that can help me immediately get out of my, you know, inwardness and turn my focus outward. And the, and the repeated promise throughout the Bible is that if you want to make, if you want to find happiness, then make others happy. And Jesus said it's really more blessed to give than it is to receive, and that word blessed is a sense of happiness. There's a happiness that happens when we give happiness away. And rather than compare ourselves with others, as, as you're rightfully pointing out, which is a futile and fruitless exercise, the better approach would be to encourage others or to serve others uh, or to admonish others or teach others or to greet others, to put these beautiful little nuggets that are in the Bible into practice, and we'll find that when we try to make others happy, we end up being the ones who are the happiest. So if, uh, if folks were just to Google one another verses, right, they, would, they yeah. would come up with the list, be at peace with each other, wash one another's feet, love one another. That's repeated yeah. many, many times. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves, live in harmony with one another, 
Um, Stop passing judgment on one another. Accept one another as Christ has accepted you. Instruct one another. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The list is really long, um, and I love that you, you know, you highlight literally two handfuls, ten of these verses in this book. Um, And the book is How Happiness Happens, Finding Lasting Joy in a World of Disappointment, Comparison, and Unmet Expectations. I am talking with the author, Max Lucado, and he and I will be right back. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. All right, if we were going to have a, uh, a theme song for the book, that might be it. Uh, God is a good, good father. And that is, uh, in knowing who he is and his goodness, we then rightly understand who we are. And in that, we, we have a joy and a contentment and indeed a happiness that surpasses the current circumstances. The book is How Happiness Happens, Finding Lasting Joy in a World of Disappointment, Comparison, and Unmet Expectations. The author is Max Lucado. Uh, Max, again, thank you for being with us today. Absolutely. It's really a treat. Thanks for having me on the program. You, you ask terrific questions. Well, that's my job. So there you go. Um, so I'm gonna. I, I want to have. I want to have two more conversations, and one of them is about the role of the Holy Spirit, and one yeah. of them is um, one of them is about uh, just sort of the very practical reality that I can't squint my eyes and narrow my focus and furrow my brow in a nasty way and smile at the same time. <laughs> so you just take whichever one of those you want to go with first, and then we'll do the other one. Wow. Either one of those would be um, worthy of the entire program, wouldn't it? Well, I'm a, you know, I'm a pastor of a church in San Antonio. I'm actually in Washington this morning, but I preached yesterday in our church in San Antonio on the topic of the Holy Spirit. And so he is really on my heart these days. We're, we're in the middle of a sermon series at our church uh, exploring the idea of the Holy Spirit as our unfailing friend, our unfailing friend. You know, I... I will. I walked with Christ for many years before I came to an understanding that I don't have to make this journey by myself. That I have a friend, an undeniable, unquenchable source of strength and power and assurance to help me day by day. And sometimes I think that the that 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 the whole of being a disciple of Christ is learning to live in harmony with the Holy Spirit as He leads us through this day. I uh, I teach a eighth, seventh and eighth grade Sunday school class, or I co-teach it with a bunch of other people. And um, uh, I was assigned the the Holy Spirit. I had to cover it in one lesson, uh, on, in this three part lesson on the Trinity. Which you know that just tells you how fast we think we have to move. Um, uh, and and in our conversation, you know the 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 learning to walk in step with Christ um, is this lifelong experience of learning to walk in step with the spirit of Christ, with the Holy spirit. And I don't do that by my own effort. He is the, he is the paraclete. Like it is a gift. It is, uh, if I would only, if I would only see him for who he is and submit, right. Joyfully moment by moment, I would find myself in such this wonderful place of fellowship with the Lord, but also in an ease of walking in life. Amen. Yeah, isn't that great? Because just yesterday, that was my word, paraclete. That's what we studied. That That's that word that Jesus used four times in the Upper Room Discourse on the night before his crucifixion. The word only appears in the Bible five times. 
And of those five, four used them, four, Jesus used them four times on the night before his crucifixion, and that's the name he gave the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. It's often translated as helper, advisor, intercessor. Uh, uh, if I can recall, the, the Phillips translation uh, is, is, is someone to come alongside me, someone mm-hmm. to come alongside, which is more of a literal translation of, of paraclete. Um, I had a great opportunity here last week. I got to play golf at a special golf outing that included caddies. I've never used a caddy in my life. And uh, this guy had been around that golf course 10,000 times. Can you believe that? He's been caddying there 20 years. He'd been on that golf course 10,000 times. I had never been there in my life. And so I peppered him with questions. Uh, where does the ball go if I do this? What do I do there? Should I take up bowling? I asked him every question I could <laughs> think of. And, you know, that's the way it is. That could be a, that's a picture of our dependence upon the Holy Spirit. He's with us right by our side. He's within us. And, and, and it's our call to simply turn to him throughout the day. It's, it's a sense of being mindfully prayerful, mindfully prayerful, just aware of the Spirit. And turning to him, he wants to lead us. And uh, and what a gift we have um, to, to, to have him as our companion. So the caddy metaphor is really fun because uh, the caddy is also carrying the burden and, exactly su- right. and supplying you with the tool you need in the moment you need it. Right. What a, uh, you what can, what your a, next what book. Analogy. Yeah, so yeah. just write your next book with that guy, right? There you go. All right, I am talking with Max Lucado. We are talking about his latest book, How Happiness Happens, Finding Lasting Joy in a World of Disappointment, Comparison, and Unmet Expectations. Um, Lasting joy. I do think that the word joy is important when we're talking about a book on happiness. Um, I think that happiness can be perceived as something that is fleeting. You're not talking about a fleeting form of happiness. You're talking about something that is well-grounded, sustained, and sustainable. I, I, I define um, happiness as a deep, deep, deeply rooted sense of peace and contentment. I'm aware that uh, on a given day, my moods come and go. And I'm also aware that many of our listeners uh, battle uh, either, either mild or severe depression. And, I'm, and I'm, I don't want to be dismissive of the challenge that many of us have in finding a sense of happiness. So I'm not really talking here about some surface emotion, but something that's deeper that says, I am here because God placed me here. He knows who I am. He is a good, good father, and he will lead me through whatever I'm facing today. And the best way for me to to discover the joy that he's given to me is to understand my identity in him, and then to turn and immediately, as soon as possible, at every opportunity, uh, be other-centered. Not me-centered, but other-centered. Set my my eyes on God first, on others second. And as I do that, uh, I begin to discover this this level of peace, this this depth of joy that that really uh, circumstances cannot take away. So I know it's really simplistic, but the acronym JOY, you know, Jesus, others, and then you, gets the focus turned in the right direction on all of this. And 
Um, you know, I think that for those of us who need really simple mental hooks sometimes to hang things on, that is one of the things you do is that this is a really this is a how to book. I mean, certainly the uh, the biblical references related to, um, you know, related to all of this joy and I mean, it's list joy, happiness, celebration, gladness, real hope. I mean, all of that is in here. The The substance is in here. But you also, you know, you're so gracious to always give us these simple mental hooks to hang things on. And I do think that this focus, getting our focus in the right direction, and then turning and serving others intentionally, um, and the joy that comes from that, it, it, it does, it quickens our happiness. It really does. What a great word. It quickens our happiness. And these are things, uh, these one another verses, and thanks for sharing those, uh, the longer list of them there. That was really encouraging. Uh, these can immediately trigger a sense of happiness within us. Now, some of the one another verses are, are a bit challenging, like forgive one another or admonish one another. Those are, those are a bit heavy duty. And if a person's not ready to go there, they can go with those that are more easily and quickly applied, like greet one another. Make it your aim today to greet every person you see that, that in an appropriate way. I don't mean to go down the sidewalk greeting people, but, but as you're checking out of the grocery store, say hello to the person who hand, handles your groceries. As you walk into an office, stop and, and offer a sincere hello to the person at the receptionist's desk. Make sure that you make eye contact. If it's appropriate, shake hands. Ask them how they are doing. For some reason, the Apostle Paul especially made sure that he mentioned in each of his epistles, greet one another. Of course, he added the phrase with a holy kiss. We're going to regard that as more a custom of the day. <laughs> but, but if it is customary in your culture, wherever you are, to give a hug or to, or, to, or to greet somebody in a particular fashion, the point is make sure you get your eyes off yourself. Genuinely engage someone else in an act of service, however simple that may be. Your hello to them might be the only hello they hear all day. And ask the Lord, bless my greetings today as I head out into the day. Uh, those are, there are simple things that we can put into practice immediately that will get our mind off of ourselves and onto others, and we'll begin to experience this joy that Jesus talked about when he said, it is really better to give than it is to receive. Max Lucado, thank you so much for giving us so much of yourself over many years, and thank you for the gift of this conversation today. We really appreciate it. Oh, it's my honor. And again, you do such a great job. Thank you. You're in the right spot. Well, thank you. Me on the program. Oh, thank you so much. All right, friends, we'll be back in just a minute to wrap up here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, well, that was fun. Makes me smile to have the opportunity to talk with, talk with Max Lucado. Um, there are people who speak into our lives over, you know, over a long period of time, and he has been one through whose books I have been ministered to along the way. So I uh, loved having him on. All right, friends, thanks so much for joining me today. You can always catch the podcast to share with somebody else later in the day at MyFaithRadio.com. Thank you to Paul Perot for pushing my buttons this morning and making it all happen. That's Are you there, awkward. man? I'm here. That's just a little That's an awkward, awkward yeah, statement. Yeah, very All right. All right. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. 
That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.